0: Hey June 20th, 2017 here on the Patriots V podcast. On this episode we break down why Malcolm Butler does not have a new contract and also who are the most likely undrafted free agents to make the roster as well. What was the Patriots biggest play from this season? All that and more on this episode of the Patriots V podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Patriots the Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Ruperstein you can find me on Twitter at SportsDean. You can find us all on Twitter at CLNSMedian. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CLNSFans. Another pretty boring week here for Patriots. There's not a ton going on. Jimmy Garoppolo missed a day of OTAs. We got a couple contracts that were doled out. We had a really fun video On a Monday morning quarterback that showed all the Patriots players that have had babies... Since the Super Bowl two years ago Devin McCourty, Brandon Bolden I believe Nate Ebner as well Just to name a couple So definitely go check out that link That was actually a really fun video and article that they did Devin McCourty is the cutest dad I've ever seen But that's just me Devin McCourty is also uh, was ranked the number one Cover safety in the NFL Last year by Pro Football Focus So congrats to the superstar Safety for the New England Patriots But we have a couple things to, to break down This week uh, The The NFL.com Twitter account uh, with Peter Schrager. um, I forget the other guys who host the show. I believe Nate Burleson's also on. It's uh, it's, uh, Good Morning Football. That's what it's called. Uh, They did a great uh, top four on like what the biggest moments from the Patriots' season were. They obviously mentioned the Donta Hightower catch. They or the Donta Hightower uh, fumble. Excuse me. During the Super Bowl, they talked about the Jacoby Brissett run for touchdown against the Houston Texans when they won twenty-seven to nothing. Uh, They talked about a couple other plays, but. I'm going to break down what my three biggest plays from the season were, and we're going to have a couple rules, a couple rules on this, okay? It cannot include any play that was in the Super Bowl. It cannot include any play, excuse me, with a player that ended up getting injured and missing most of the season, so no Rob Gronkowski, um, I believe it's actually only Rob Gronkowski that got injured for most of the season. So, no Rob Gronkowski, no Super Bowl, and then one more rule. You ready for this? It had to come from a player that started more than three games. So, no Malcolm Mitchell, no Jimmy Garoppolo, and no Jacoby Brissett. So, that being said... The top three plays for me from this past season, this is actually pretty difficult because I was going to include the Malcolm Mitchell catch against the San Francisco 49ers, but I'm not. So my number three play for the Patriots season this year is the only good thing that Michael Floyd ever did for the New England Patriots, which was his incredible block that he made on Julian Edelman's 80-yard touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. It basically ended the game. I mean, there was no... After they, uh, after they got that touchdown, it was 80 yards, Michael Floyd, if you remember, made that ridiculous block over the middle. Uh, who did he take out? I don't think it was Deion Jones. Who did he take out? I forget who he took out, but whoever he took out, I'm pretty sure missed the rest of the game. So good on um, Michael Floyd for making the block. But the Julian Edelman touchdown against the Dolphins is my number three play of the season. Number two play of the season. Let's think about this one, because this one's a little bit a little bit difficult. This one is actually going to go to someone who I don't think people remember this play as much as I do. But it was against their game it was against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, it, was a, it was a lovely, I believe it was the first touchdown of the game by LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt turned this safety Inside and out like four different times. He deked one way, he another way, he deeped another way. He was going all over the place. This safety ended up so turned around that he just fell over. He just fell right over, boop, right into the ground. It was an amazing play by Garrett Blunt. Probably his best run of the entire season. Uh, obviously the game against the Rams was not an extreme game by any means uh, by, by any means. I mean, it was a pretty normal game. It was the Los Angeles Rams coming in at Voxboro. So nothing too crazy, but that Garrett blunt run has, uh, has really stuck with me uh, for most of the season. So the number one play for the Patriots this year, this one this one for me is an easy one. Now, again, I'm trying to keep it more of, like, what I thought the best plays were rather than, like, the most iconic. But this one for me was a good combination of both of them. The Baltimore Ravens, they come into Foxboro. You know, we know that the Patriots have had problems with uh, with the Ravens throughout the past couple of seasons. And boy, oh boy... Was this not the case this time when the Ravens came into Foxborough? The Patriots put this one away pretty quickly, and I think the most iconic play is one that we all remember was the beautiful flea flicker that the Patriots pulled off to Chris Hogan way down the field for a touchdown. I believe they make it like 14 to nothing or 17 to three. Something that pretty much put the game out of reach. It was a beautiful like 60 yard pass in the air by Tom Brady. Incredible play. Chris Hogan went off. I think he had over 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So. That was probably my my favorite play of the year. And also because, I mean, I'm a little bit biased. Any single time that the that the Patriots can take down the Baltimore Ravens, where I, if you didn't know, I grew up in Baltimore. So any chance I can get to see the Patriots lay the smack down on the Ravens, I will appreciate a little bit more. So those are our top three plays of the year. Our number three play was the Julian Edelman catch with the ridiculous Michael Floyd block to spring it for a 79, 80, whatever ridiculous yard touchdown it was. Our number two play on the year was LeGarrette Blunt's just, just absolute destruction of that poor safety on the Los Angeles Rams. And then... Our number one play of the year was the incredible, incredible flea flicker that the Patriots pulled off against the Baltimore Ravens to get Chris Hogan into the end zone. That was an incredible game, probably Chris Hogan's best game as an NFL pro. So good on the Patriots for always bringing in a little bit of the old-fashioned shakeup into their usual stuff. So with that being said, we're going to take our first quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down – why doesn't Malcolm Butler have a contract, and why do they keep giving people all this money right in his face? We'll be back with all that and more on this episode of the Major be Podcast.
1: CLNS Radio's leading online coverage of the Boston Celtics now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Celtics post-game show to the Guard Report to CSL and to Celtics feed, CLNS Radio's Boston Celtics news feed provides narrated breaking news, game recaps, and news and notes for the NBA's winningest franchise, all provided in real time. Don't have the time to surf the web or search engines and plunge your head into your computer or smartphone to read up on all the latest on the Celtics? No problem. Multitask while listening to CLNS's Celtics news feed. And for the 2016-17 NBA campaign... The Boston Celtics pregame report with myself, Larry A. Trussell, will be released on the newsfeed on game days at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, making it the first pregame report to air anywhere. We will give you a featured interview from someone providing opposing insight, pregame notes, and go on a Celtics draft pick watch, all in just 12 minutes or less. Available on the Boston Celtics newsfeed on iTunes and Stitcher,
0: and the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. Alright team, welcome back to the Patriots V Podcast. One of the things that has been probably one of the most iconic pieces of the Patriots offseason so far has been the surprising amount of money that they've been doling out to both current players, um, excuse me, for current players that were on the roster and free agents as well. I mean, you just have to look at the Stefan Gilmore contract. Give $41 million guaranteed to a division rivals cornerback who... If we're, if we're really being honest, like, I know the stats say that he was pretty good last year, but if we're being honest, the man has been a, a disappointment as a first round corner. I believe Stefan Gilmore, when he was coming out of the University of South Carolina, was supposed to end up being one of the best corners in the league. I think you can argue that he really hasn't reached that pedigree yet. I mean, he's a good player. I'm not saying he's not. You know, he gets the job done. He's a good corner. He was their number one corner for many years. But a $41 million guaranteed cornerback over five years? That's kind of where you lose me. But hey, that's the money you need to, to bring in a guy. And then, Dr. Hightower gets a big extension. James White gets a big extension. Julian Edelman just got a big extension. But you know who the one guy... Looking from the outside, looking in is Malcolm Butler. So you give all that $41 million guaranteed to Stephon Gilmore. You give $35 million to Donta Hightower. You give $21 million to James White. You give another $15 million to Julian Edelman. And Malcolm Butler, who's easily been the best corner on the team for the past three seasons, including helping you win, excuse me, two seasons, including helping you win two Super Bowls in the last three years, including making one of the greatest plays in the history of professional football, is still sitting here without a new contract. And it's gone to such an extreme point where he doesn't even know if he wants to play for the Patriots anymore. So you kind of have to ask yourself, why? Where's the loyalty And why did they choose to give the cornerback money to Stefan Gilmore instead of Malcolm Butler? So my first argument always comes back always comes down to age. So I was actually having this argument. You you we've had him on a um a couple times here. We've actually I actually had this argument with Jack, uh Jack Ross, who we've had on the show a couple times. I made the argument to him that if you look at corners who are kind of in their late twenties, early thirties, and you see the amount of money they give. Uh, to these corners, usually they don't live up to it. It's very rare that a corner lives up to the amount of money that you end up paying him. I mean, Janoris Jenkins had a great year last year, but he still has three years left on his contract. Remember, Brent Grimes was pretty bad towards the end of his contract. Antonio Cromartie flamed out in a big way when he was on the Jets. And just, you know, you, you see these corners given a lot of big contracts and they usually disappoint them pretty hard. So, I understand why they haven't given Malcolm Butler a contract, but at the same time, you're telling me that if you go to Malcolm Butler and you say, all right, Malcolm, we don't want to give you more than a three-year deal, but we will stack that three-year deal. We will give you a three-year contract for $30 million, 22 of which is guaranteed, and that's it. No incentives, no bonuses, nothing. That's the contract you give him. You give him the guaranteed money he's looking for on a small deal that doesn't affect the team, or it doesn't affect the team too much in the long term, but also gives you a way to cut him just in case he starts performing poorly. Now, one of the best parts about all of this is that while Malcolm Butler has been one of the best corners in the NFL, you do have to remember that he is 29 to 30, and While you can judge him based off of two years, he has only been a good NFL corner for two years. And I've said this on the podcast multiple times. I've said this to people directly in person. I've said this on Twitter. Cornerback is without a question the most volatile position in all of football. You can be the best corner in the league one year and the next year be absolute trash. Whereas on the other side, you can be absolute trash a corner one year and then come back and be one of the best players at the position in all of football. So it's difficult to try to judge what exactly it takes to be one of the best corners in football that's kind of what different that's how you that's why I think everyone's so quick to saying oh uh, excuse me that Richard Sherman is instantly a Hall of Famer. Richard Sherman's only won one Super Bowl. He's never broken any Hall of Fame records. He's never done any of that. However, the fact that he's been so good for six years is so unprecedented in football because of that cornerback position that we are willing to crown him a Hall of Famer even though he still probably has a good four to five years left of his career. We made Darrell Rivas a Hall of Famer before the guy even won a Super Bowl. We made him a Hall of Famer before easily the worst year of his career. So it just goes to show you what happens when you show even a modicum of consistency at the position that you just you instantly get crowned and I think that's what Belichick is looking out for here is that he doesn't want to instantly crown Malcolm Butler this great all-time corner when in reality he's only done it for about a season and a half almost two seasons he started last season okay I mean, he got absolutely two seasons ago he got absolutely roasted by Antonio Brown but throughout the next two years especially in the playoffs he was very very good he was very very good last year and I think Belichick is just a little bit afraid because when you give someone a contract like that, and this is one of the reasons they paid Stefan Gilmore, you can't pay corners for what they have done, you have to pay corners for what they are going to do for your team. You can't, it's like, it was the problem that I had when the Angels paid Albert Pujols that much money. Albert Pujols was not going to be that much money in the rest of his career. I thought that they were paying him for what he had already done in his career, not what they expected to do with them. And that's how Belichick has always done his contracts. He pays players based off of what they are going to do for him. That's why he's let go so many players in the past. Is why he let Vince Wolford goes, why he let Richard Seymour go, Laura Malloy, same concept. Uh, List past obviously not of the same caliber player, but Jabal Sheard is a very similar player in that sense. So it's all about the players, about what they are going to do for this team rather than what they've already done. And I think Malcolm Butler is the next victim of that. I would not be surprised if Malcolm Butler gets trade, traded. This offseason, maybe or next year, or he just leaves a free agency. Belichick is not the kind of guy to just let someone go, especially Malcolm Butler's talent, for nothing. I mean, you you could kind of say that they avoided, that they could have given him away for Brandon Cooks. However, I still think that giving away the first-round pick for Brandon Cooks was much better than trading Malcolm Butler. That was a lovely trade that the Patriots made. So it's kind of tough to balance what you want out of Malcolm Butler. Because like I said, you do have to balance his age because most corners at his age start deteriorating or most corners at his age have a random career resurgence, i.e., uh, excuse me, uh Norse from last year. But Malcolm Butler is not Patrick Peterson. Malcolm Butler is not Richard Sherman. Malcolm Butler is not Joe Hayden. I know Joe Hayden's had a couple of rough years, but he's been one of the best corners in football pretty consistently over the past almost decade, he's been good for two years. And as a corner who's only been good for two years, coming up on his age 29 season, it, it it's difficult to start giving out that money to a 29-year-old corner. So I get it. It kind of sucks. But this is one of the examples of what makes Belichick a better GM than the rest of the league. He knows when... To actually pay someone, and he knows when to withhold that money. I think withholding Malcolm Butler and saying, "All right, you're going to prove it for one more year," I think that actually makes a ton of sense. But we'll end. Up, we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, excuse me. Throughout. ...the next couple of weeks. Apparently, Malcolm Butler has looked great in training camp. Stephon Gilmore has looked great in training camp. It has been very clear. and I think this is going to piss off Malcolm Butler, too. It has been very clear in camp that Stephon Gilmore is currently the number one corner on this team. I think that's going to piss off Malcolm Butler. Because Malcolm Butler did a great job last year as the number one corner... ...taking down the top target on every team. Excuse me. I think the one thing they did have a problem with as well... ...and you can always kind of look back to when they make these decisions... I think Belichick looked at the Falcons and said, all right, here's Julio Jones, a 6'6", 230, monster of a wide receiver, and we're throwing 5'9", Malcolm Butler at him. It's just, it, it doesn't work. Like, the... The what they what they want out of the cornerback position is not going to work, especially when you look around the NFL and you see all these big hulking wide receivers becoming in fashion. I know you obviously will always have the Antonio Browns and the Odell Beckham Juniors, but the Mike Evanses and the Julio Joneses and the Brandon Marshalls like they do not have an answer for that guy on this team. And you could say, "Oh, Eric Rowe," this Eric Eric Rowe is not that good. So. When, when he you get matched up against a guy like Julio Jones and you have to throw someone at him like Malcolm Butler, you're you're just kind of conceding that you're probably going to lose. And I think that was the reason for Stefan Gilmore's addition. Guy's 6'1", I believe, almost 6'2", I think around 6'0". He's in that general area of height. And 6 inches is a lot bigger than 9 to 10 inches of difference between the wide receiver you're trying to match up against and a cornerback. So... That's the reason why I don't think Malcolm Butler gets his contract. And if you're asking me right now to make a prediction, I predict that Malcolm Butler never gets the contract that he's looking for for the New England Patriots. And I don't think that he's going to ever get the amount of money that he thinks he deserves, which sucks. But hey, that's that's the, the problem with being... A uh, 28, 29-year-old corner. So that's going to do it for me. We're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of undrafted free agent talk, and then we're going to send you guys into your week before we are back next Tuesday. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: CLNS Radio's leading online coverage, the Boston Celtics, now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Celtics post-game show to the Guard Report to CSL and to Celtics feed, CLNS Radio's Boston Celtics news feed provides narrated breaking news, game recaps, and news and notes for the NBA's winningest franchise, all provided in real time. Don't have the time to surf the web or search engines and plunge your head into your computer or smartphone to read up on all the latest on the Celtics? No problem. Multitask while listening to CLNS's Celtics news feed. And for the 2016-17 NBA campaign, the Boston Celtics pregame report with myself, Larry A. Trussell, will be released on the news feed on game days at 4 p.m. Eastern time, making it the first pregame report to air anywhere. We will give you a featured interview from someone providing opposing insight, pregame notes, and go on a Celtics draft pick watch, all in just 12 minutes or less. Available on the Boston Celtics news feed on iTunes and Stitcher, and the CLNS
0: Radio mobile podcast app. All right, team. Welcome back. So before we go, we're going to do a quick little segment on who I think is actually going to make the team out of the undrafted free agents. I have the whole list in front of me uh, in alphabetical order, and I'm going to rank who I think is actually going to make it. So, without further ado, because this is going to be a quick. so you make quick little thing. We have Josh Augusta D tackle out of Missouri. Adam Butler D tackle out of Vanderbilt. Austin Carr wide receiver out of Northwestern. Cole of offensive line out of Iowa. LaShun Daniels running back out of Iowa. DJ Dean the cornerback out of Arkansas. Cody and Jacob Hollister the wide receiver and tight end twins from Arkansas and Wyoming, respectfully. We have DJ Killings, this cornerback from Central Florida, excuse me. You have the David Jones, the D-back from Richmond, who I missed, the Richmond Spiders. You have Jason King, the offensive lineman from Purdue. Harvey Lange, the lineback from BYU. Kenny Moore, the cornerback from Valdosta State. I love that. Max Rich, an offensive lineman from Harvard. Dwayne Thomas, a DB from LSU. Jason Thompson, a safety from Utah. Demarius Travis, a safety from Minnesota. And Corey Vereen, a D- and from Tennessee, who I believe might have already been cut. So those are the guys that they assign as undrafted free agents. So I'm going to choose three guys who I think are going to make the team or the practice squad. So first one who I think is actually going to make the team, I've mentioned him before, all offseason, he's here, he's ready. It's Harvey Lange, the linebacker out of BYU, might actually end up being the starter uh, when uh, when push comes to shove, I think Harvey Langy is a guy that they've really liked. Uh, he's athletic, he's versatile, he's long, he's fast. He's a former running back. He's exactly what excuse me. He's exactly what the Patriots are looking for at that, uh, that linebacker position. I think that he'll go along very well with Landon Roberts and Shea McClellan, Kyle Van Noy as well. But I, I really do think that Shea McClellan might be on the chopping block. I don't know. We'll see. I, I just I'm not a big fan. uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Shane McClellans, as you know, but I think Harvey Lange is definitely the number one undrafted free agent to make the team this year. Number two, Austin Carr, the wide receiver out of Northwestern. Talk about your Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman kind of receiver. He's the small white guy in the slot that they can throw the ball to. He's there. He's here. He's everywhere. It's Austin Carr. He's the wide receiver from Northwestern. He was ranked the best wide receiver in the Big Ten last year. I think he's going to end up being a pretty decent wide receiver in the NFL, even if it's not with the Patriots. I think you are looking at a definite, definite practice squad spot him, And then my number 3 guy, this is a tough one. It's actually between two guys. It's between DJ Killings, the cornerback from Central Florida, and Max Rich, the offensive lineman from Harvard. It really ends up happening what happens with Adrian Waddle and Cameron Fleming this offseason, whether or not Max Rich is able to make it on this team. But DJ Killings has a pretty easy chance to get that number 5 cornerback slot. He is going up against... Uh, who we're looking at here? Jonathan Jones is a guy. Eric Rowe is a guy. Justin Coleman is a guy. So DJ Killings, if he has a good off season, could really be someone that they add to the defense. I know that last year fans were pretty pissed that they gave away Creveon LeBlanc, who ended up on the Bears, and as well as oh, who is the guy that they gave that ended up on the Jets. He actually ended up being pretty good. His name is currently escaping me. I'll get you guys uh, his name next episode. But DJ Killings is a guy who I think would fit really, really well on this Patriots team. He's long, he's very fast, and also they gave him the most money, out of, uh, second most money out of any undrafted free agents uh, that they have signed so far. So definitely going to uh, be looking at those guys. I'm 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 a big fan of uh, excuse me I'm a big fan of Austin Carr I think he's going to be a very good addition to any offense in the NFL I'm so I'm stunned he didn't get drafted he was amazing last year for Northwestern but hey it's Northwestern football so what are you going to do so we're going to take one more quick break and when we come back we're going to send you guys into the week so we'll be right back. Team that's good to do it for this week's Patriot Beat Podcast. Please remember to give us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Sports Team. You can find our Patriots Beat Twitter at Patriots underscore Beat. And you can find all of the CLNS content you could ever want on at CLNS Media. And again, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. We will be back with you guys next Tuesday to break down any and all of the Patriots news from this past week. Obviously, it's a pretty short week. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty quiet week as we are entering the six-week break stage for all NFL players. So obviously, they will get time to relax before training camp officially begins in the middle of July. So that's going to do it for me. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. But for now, good luck.